Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because I'm talking about Eve's Bayou with my beautiful babe What? <laughs> I wish I hadn't said what I said. Oh my gosh. Uh, Erica Bromley, hi. Hi, babe. I was trying to tie it in to the title. Yeah, no. It, didn't it, it... think of anything beforehand, didn't plan it out. You? Yeah, I know. Okay. Weird, right? <laughs> I don't know if it hit, but... No, no, definitely but... not. <laughs> Great way to start the show. Uh, this is our first time <laughs> At recording... At least you made me laugh. <laughs> well, good. Uh, in our basement since the Pretty Woman episode. Yeah. Because the day after we recorded the Pretty Ep- Woman episode, our basement flooded and has been unusable basically since For then. For two months, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're back in the basement. We're still surrounded by boxes of movies because we're waiting on shelves so that we can put our movies up so that we can access them and actually watch them. At least once a day, I ask to watch a movie, and Patrick's response is, it's in a box. (laughs) And it's not, I mean, I'm sure people will say, well, get it out of the box, but there's just a lot of boxes, and unfortunately, we were kind of in a rush to take them down off of the shelves. I did, at one point, when we were deshelving, think, oh, we should be really careful to do these in alphabetical order and then mark the boxes but we did not do that now we have our dvds primarily in one spot of our basement on shelves and then our blu-rays sort of stretch out to two different spots of our basement Mm -hmm. how are we going to do it this time uh same we're still going alphabetical yeah well now we're going straight alphabetical straight alphabetical wait mixing dvds and blu-rays no stop i know okay i was Uh, like what no we used to separate out certain labels like screen factory arrow 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 uh criterion (laughs) twilight time uh, Code Red, those used to be separated out. Now they're going to be integrated right. in with the rest of the movies so that you will no longer need to know which label put out a movie in order right. to find it in our basement. Right, because I don't always commit that to memory. Why not? Because my, well, there's a lot going on in, in all of our minds, <laughs> but that's a spot that didn't um, take hold for me, I guess. But no. yeah, I like the idea of it all being alphabetical. Uh, one thing that is different is. Uh, Although. Are any of them different sizes? A little bit, yeah. Not really, okay. for the most part. Think about a video store, though. Nothing's always perfectly match, matchy-matchy. And what happened to video stores? They are closed for the pandemic, but they'll come <laughs> back. Um, did you hear me knocking on this I did, table? I <laughs> did, and the microphone especially picked it up oh. because one thing that is different is we had to do an equipment change. Uh, a, a, an important cord that we use to record... Uh, when we're here in person, is missing in all of the packing. And so uh, we have a different recording setup. It's probably not as good. The microphone may pick up some weird stuff. We apologize. We're both just, like, sharing one mic right now, which is romantic. It's super sweet. I'll admit. Yes. Um, but the recording quality may not be as good. Just bear with us for the time being. I had really great tostadas for lunch because Patrick went out and bought them for me yep. because I was hungry and we didn't have anything here. Now we're talking very closely together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hope you like the smell of tostadas. <laughs> <laughs> always. Uh, always, always. Anything else new with our, like when we reshelf, the, when we put we're the movies switch back up? The, the Blu-rays are going to come first now. Right. And all be together, and then the DVDs will be, be kind of spread split. out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's what, eventually will it just be all Blu-ray? What are we waiting no, for? I don't think no? so. Okay. No? Okay. Okay. 
Like, will we get rid of all of our DVDs well, or just replace them all with Blu-rays? We've replaced so many, but are we waiting for stuff to come out? Or are there certain things that we're just kind of like, nah, we're going to save the money? I'm going to wait till we switch to 4K oh, and then upgrade all of our Blu-rays nope. to 4K and nope. all of our DVDs to Blu-ray. Oh, my gosh. And then all of our 4Ks to HD DVDs cool. and then back to VHS. Yes. The circle of life. <laughs> Um, no i'm not doing any of that okay thank you thank you uh view my view yeah have you seen anything good lately um i've seen some stuff not a lot so i have to be honest i haven't seen as much as i usually would see during summer break for one although i am teaching summer school um i just have been struggling with um just like most of the world right um i don't know focusing on movies or Mm -hmm. focusing on anything that seems less important than other things that are going on in the world. So we've been doing a lot to try to um, make sure our kids are appropriately updated with what's going on in the world and to get them involved as, as much as possible and to just, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot going on. And so I haven't, I just, yeah, haven't watched as much as usual, but um, we are watching a show with the kids raising Dion. Um, on Netflix, which they are loving and we are enjoying as well. And that's been really fun. And in terms of movies, what have we watched lately? We watched, um, go, you already talked about The Five Bloods with Adam Risky last week, right? I did, but you're welcome to talk about it well, because it, you liked it more than anyone, I think. I loved it so much. Um, you know that Spike Lee has always been one of my favorite directors and even films of his that I hadn't or haven't seen, you will know exactly what about it is something that will resonate and like spark something in me. And so anytime that there's been a film of his that I haven't seen, you'll say, oh, you have to see this because I just know, you know, A, B, and C, or you don't even, you don't even always spell it out for me. You just let me watch it. And then um, our probably not surprised when I have that exact reaction <laughs> that you knew I was going to have. But anyway, Defy Bloods, I just really felt was great on every level. And I love what it says about everything going on in the world today and uh, forever. You know, it just, oh God, and all the performances were so, so good. I, as soon as we were finished watching it, I wanted to watch it again. Yeah. And I was not being, you know, cute or funny. I just wanted to put it right back on. Well, you're always being cute. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, we already talked about King of Staten Island, I think. Um, what about The Lovebirds? We watched The Lovebirds. We did. <laughs> what else did we watch? <laughs> the first, like, 10 minutes of The Lovebirds, I was pretty on board. I like Kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. I'd never really seen. Issa Rae and anything except for we watched The Hate You Give a couple weeks ago, but I haven't yeah. watched what's that show that she does on HBO? Insecure? Sure. No, wait, am right. I wrong? I don't know. No, it's something like that. Okay. It's like a one word thing. Okay. I believe it's called Perry Mason. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which we made we made it fifteen minutes in last night and decided to go to bed. <laughs> no, she yeah, Insecure is her show. So I've not and watched I've, Insecure. I, know, I would like to I've, watch Insecure. Me too. So we'll Gosh, get to it as soon as so we finish long. Schitt's Creek. We'll watch Insecure. Okay. Um, but I really liked both of them. They're having a funny argument about the amazing race. Um, I want to be excited about Michael Showalter as a director, you know. Uh, so there were all these reasons why I wanted to like The Lovebirds, but mm-hmm. it, it, it suffers from date night syndrome, which is, <laughs> let's take these two people you would like to see in a, a 
traditional romantic comedy and put them in this dumb pseudo action movie plot <laughs> and have them bicker while being chased by people with guns. And <laughs> none of that was interesting to me. You know, I'm sure that there are people who really did enjoy that part, actually. Sure. You know, I think that it probably Worlds worked for... Yeah, I'm, it probably worked for a lot of people, and so that's good. I wanted to just see a movie about them right. in real life. Not that that's not real life, but just in life. Like, going yes. about the sort of that's mundane I mean. like tasks of... right, right, comedy about right. this couple trying to make it work. Right. And I know that, you know, even I think the description, the short description of the movie says something about figuring out, you know, their relationship or if it's going to work or something. Is that a spoiler? I don't think so. Okay. But to me, that is that set in anything real, like jobs, work, family, anything real, right. is so much more interesting than solving a murder. Right? It just—I yeah. don't know. It's so great. But While being chased I'm sure by it murderers. was. I'm sure a lot of people really liked that part of it, so that's good. But. It was fine. Like I wouldn't even say it was a bad movie. It was fine, and it was like 87 minutes, and it held my attention. But did we talk about the trailer before on the podcast? I think I have. I don't know if you and I did. I feel like maybe I talked about it with someone else, or maybe it was with you. I no, cannot remember. No, maybe it was with someone else. But I was complaining about that same joke. Yeah, it drove me crazy the in the yeah. trailer because they reference The Handmaid's Tale. Right. But really, it's Eyes Wide Shut. It's clearly Eyes Wide Shut. Yes, and I, I, every time we saw that trailer in the theater, oh, remember theaters, I was no, screaming, Eyes Wide totally. Shut. Totally. But then in the movie, I feel like they said something else. Yeah. They don't say Eyes she Wide says Shut. says Illuminati. Or- Oh. She says something yeah. like, this is some Illuminati shit. Right, okay. Which is better than Handmaid's Tale, right. but probably not as funny as Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, although, Did they, were fair, they afraid Eyes that Wide people Shut, wouldn't get the reference it's, it's to a, Eyes Wide Shut? It's a 20-year-old joke, so... To me, it's it's brand new joke. I am still living <laughs> in the 20 years in ago. In 1999, yes. when Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are still married. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Magnolia came out. And Magnolia came out. He had Magnolia and Eyes Wide Shut in the same year. Yes, I am still living in 1999. (laughs) Can I go back? (laughs) Uh, We should mention uh, quickly, now that I think about it, because I was just thinking about Nicole Kidman, which Mm. led me to Chase Meridian, which led me to Batman Forever, which led me to the passing of Joel Schumacher. R.I.P. Joel Schumacher. It was kind of nice yesterday, the little bit that I looked at Twitter... Um, because I'm still running the F this movie Twitter when I can't help you when you can't help me. (laughs) Um, and there were people on there, you know, saying really nice things about, about Joel Schumacher. Yeah. I loved seeing all the positive comments and memories. It takes someone to die for everyone to suddenly stop making (sighs) jokes about how much they suck. But But uh, you know what? I think we were seeing kind comments and tributes from people who I don't think were the ones saying, oh, he Probably sucks. Not. You know, that's yeah. the thing. These were people who are like, we've always I, we've always loved him and loved his films, and they never liked the hate that he got either. Um, it made me want to rewatch a bunch of stuff. I always loved Phone Booth. Yes, I remember your love yes. of Phone Booth from one of our <laughs> redoing podcasts. I love Phone Booth. Where suddenly I started taking shit for like making fun I, of Phone Booth, yeah. which I was not No, doing. you weren't. I think, I don't know if you made like just a joke or if you laughed I or I don't know what. saying like, yeah, what oh, about yeah. Phone Booth? Oh yeah, no, like, <laughs> what about that Phone Booth? What about phone, phone Booth? No, that's just our dumb humor that probably isn't funny to anyone but I us. I don't <laughs> love Phone Booth. You know, I what? Like, How I, dare you? I like it just fine. I can't believe we're fighting. This is our first fight. I don't 
Love it. I love uh, it. I love it. Isn't it like 87 minutes? Probably. Something, right? Probably. Wasn't it super short? Um, it and there like... was a lot of love for Falling Down, which is another yeah. Schumacher movie that I do not love. Uh, but I once walked to the Woodfield Mall Theater to see it. Uh, your, Woodfield 1 and 2. For people my, who are listening who don't know what that house. means, it was kind of a walk. <laughs> it was a few miles, yeah. Oh, more than a few. Uh, and we walked to see it and then got up there and they weren't going to sell us tickets because it was rated R. So oh we just made up a lie about how our parents were already inside. And they believed you. And they believed us and sold us tickets. And so I got to see Falling Down at age 15 or 14 hilarious. or however old I was when Falling Down came out. Yeah. I tried to see Basic Instinct. <laughs> I succeeded at I did basic not. Instinct. They were like, uh, no, <laughs> you're way too young. <laughs> I don't think I ever got turned away really? from a movie. Yeah. That was the thing. Falling the Down was the closest. I probably never tried to break into anything else because I was a rule follower it's for the most part. <laughs> I didn't break a rule. <laughs> they um, sold me the ticket. Yeah, they did. That's right. Um, but yeah, we have podcasts on uh, on. Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. So you should go back and listen to those for hey. some Joel Schumacher appreciation. We have a podcast on The Lost Boys, which is probably my favorite Joel Schumacher movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I could watch St. Elmo's Fire anytime it's on, but oh it is gosh. not a good movie. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's so watchable. And it just, that's just like a childhood nostalgia thing. To, I yeah. mean, I, how, when did that movie come out? 85? I was a practically a baby <laughs> and none of that made but like even seeing it later even as a kid it's the song right that like pulled me in because it was probably playing in my house all the time for my parents but like <laughs> i never connected with the time period or the themes you know in terms they were like college grads right yes yeah so but it didn't matter i still felt like as a kid like oh yeah this movie's really saying something <laughs> it really was <laughs> It really, really was. That song, though. No, it's a great song. Oh please. Oh, my gosh. Please. One of the best songs ever. Um, Batman and Robin was 1997. Just like the movie we're talking about today. I was just going to say that. But wait, was there anything else that we wanted to talk about that we just watched? Um, yeah, there's other movies. I just wanted to quickly mention The Passing of Joel Schumacher. Okay. We watched Seaberg. We did. Yeah. When did Seaberg come out? Last year. I don't think so. I think For it was real? a 2019. I think it was shot in 2019, but I think it was released in 2020. Okay. I'm, you know, um, I'm going to quietly look that up okay. right now. Is it quiet if I do Seaberg. that? Oh, it says February 21st, 2020. See, what did I tell you? But it um, premiered at Venice um, Film Festival last year. Seaberg was interesting because I didn't know very much about Gene Seaberg. Mm-hmm. I still probably don't know very much about mm -hmm. Gene Seberg, but it was certainly relevant to our times Absolutely. in terms of uh, her sort of aligning herself with the Black Panther movement and coming under the paranoid suspicions of the FBI as a result. Wow. And yeah. so they, you know, kind of ruin her life uh, to make an example of her. And so the, it's certainly timely. I wasn't crazy about the movie. I liked it more than you. Okay. But I liked it, it very Would much. You say on the whole, you like most things more than me. And I'm not, that's not a yeah. loaded question or a criticism. Right. No, I don't, we've never really talked about that. I don't know. Okay. Do I? Is this the time to talk about it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's, <laughs> we're not going to get to Eve's body then. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't okay. think so. I don't know. Do I, I? Don't, I, I don't know. You might be more forgiving of stuff than I am, which is a good quality, not a bad quality. You're forgiving of a lot. Sure. A lot. Yeah. I don't think I'm a particularly... You're not uh, a... Like, you're not... No. I'm not a, a dick when it comes to watching movies. I'm not looking to not like things. Right. No, not at all. Seaberg uh, has Kristen Stewart. Yeah. She's good. Right. She's very good. The whole cast is good given what they're given to do unfortunately as i was pointing out while we were watching it you have somebody like margaret qualley who makes such an impression in something like once upon a time in hollywood and you're like oh my gosh who is that i can't wait to see what she does because she's so memorable and great in this movie and then the next thing you see her and she's playing like concerned wife right but again rite of passage for every female uh, actor in hollywood right but when did they film it that's the thing she could have filmed this before or during or i don't know you know once upon a time in hollywood i'm because this premiered at venice last summer august 30th 2019 okay so right so she probably shot it right certainly shot it before once upon a time in hollywood came out if not right before they shot that movie who knows so i liked it more than you did i think that the reason why though is purely because of my interest in that time period and even even if we had seen this you know months ago right and not in terms of like what's going on in our country right now i'm still that's always a time period that i'm interested in and so that grabs me and keeps me even if other things are like like at times it was a little bit slower than i thought it needed to be um and not in a way that it was like really taking its time to build something i thought it was just like oh it's a little slow like pick it up you can you know um but i i yeah i think the story and i didn't know a lot about her and like you said i still don't but it was a choice of the movie to really just stick to this time period and this right. one thing that happened right. and that's fine um i would like to know more about her how she was raised who like how she got to that point um i felt so bad for her just thinking about women entertainers when they were just i don't know property of so many people and so this was something she was doing like on her own for herself right like um believing and being a part of this movement but well just this week think about all of the headlines and attention paid to uh megan fox oh right yeah so what's changed Right. In terms of right. being property of so many people. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, it's, it's, I don't know even what to say. It's so depressing because, well, and uh, look at the civil rights movement. Like everything, we go back in history and we look what happened. We think, gosh, that was awful. And then it's like, this is still happening. What are oh, we yeah. doing? Like, what are we doing? What? Are, <laughs> um, not at all related, but kind of related. I was just reading about, um, hospital staff, doctors, nurses getting um, their benefits cut and getting pay wages um, reduced and all this stuff about how we've been like praising these people for working during the pandemic. And now the corporate entities that run like run these hospitals are going to take away from them. And it filled me with so much anger. And I'm like, I have so much anger and rage about so many issues right now. <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it. I just yeah. keep trying to, you know, be involved and read stuff and donate to places and march when we can. And you know, obviously voting and looking up the issues and knowing what's going on, but it's just, there's a lot to be rageful for right now. Agreed. Movies! <laughs> so okay, we're so, channel it into uh, talking about there movies. There we go. Well, the last Watching one that I would want to... Yeah, we watched... Um, there's two more that we should talk two about. Two more? Okay. The Assistant. Oh, okay. 
which I was it wasn't really on my radar um, until I started seeing it pop up. A, a few critics were calling it one of the best movies of 2020. Now again, that's with an asterisk, probably because way fewer movies have come out in 2020. Right. Um, but it was like, what are what are the movies of 2020 that we like the most so far? And right. the assistant popped up on more than one list. Um, and again, I thought it like I thought it did what it wanted to do. It, it it's a movie. I think I said to you while we were watching it, it's a movie that dares to ask the question: What if there was an assistant? <laughs> and it sees that through to its logical conclusion. Here is a day in the life of an assistant. Right. It's very it's, clear. It's, it's what's right. her name, Ruth from Ozark. It's not what if there was an assistant though. It's there was and there are assistants who get stuck in between. Right? Yeah. Go ahead. It's she's very clearly working for. A. Harvey Weinstein. He's never oh, seen. He's right. never named in the film. You kind of hear a voice. Right. Oh, a, a couple points. Um, which I will admit was a conceit that irritated me a little bit. Uh, is a, a tad too cute. But, um, and it kind of goes through just not only how much her day is kind of miserable and how much she has to live for her job and live to serve the needs of these other awful people. But then what happens when you see something happening that's wrong and you want to stop it, but there's a system in place to prevent you from doing anything about it? Right. Uh, there's a very upsetting scene where she goes to HR. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. yeah. And is horribly condescended to and basically told, if you want to keep this job, uh, take this complaint away. Right. And, but told in like the most roundabout, like protecting himself with a kindness to his voice way. I mean, it was so slimy, but, and for a second I thought he was going to really listen. And then I saw where it was going like, Oh gosh. Um, well, but this movie's timely too. And just like Seberg, it's like, Oh, okay, here we are doing the civil rights movement. Um, or, you know, during, around that time in the Black Panther movement, and we're talking about these issues that, unfortunately, haven't changed enough at all, right? And then I think about the assistant, and this is just a constant, like, that these issues keep coming up. And she, I know, it was kind of cutesy not showing him, and, because the way they did it, it was like, there's his shoulder, and right. the door shuts, and it's like, how many times <laughs> right, do right. we need that, right? How many times are we going to almost see him? Right. But I think the larger point is that while Harvey Weinstein is like the, you know, one of the worst and Roger Ailes, like there are so many assistants, not even take away the, take away the sexual harassment or anything like just, um, incredible meanness. I've read about people working in Hollywood who are assistants in studios or to a star or something. And just, they're treated like they're not human. Right. Um, and so just thinking about that as well, that like this entire industry and then many industries having nothing to do with entertainment as well, um, but just have used and abused people who are at the bottom, you know, who are trying You get in at the bottom and you can work your way up, well, but you have to endure horrible, horrible experiences and just everyday rudeness. I think the thing that separates the entertainment industry a little, because I agree that this happens across every yeah. line of work, what mm-hmm. separates the entertainment industry a little bit, I think, 
is this notion that like you're lucky to be here. Right, right. So many people want to do want to put up with the shit that you're putting up with right. and would be willing and happy to put up with the shit that you're putting up with. Right. So if you're not willing, step out of line and fifteen people will take your place. Right. You should feel grateful right. to be abused by me. Right, right, yes, right. Be just working around the movies. I mean, even um did we learn like why she even wanted to have that job? Or was she wanted it... to produce. She wanted to produce. She, okay, the HR guy asked that. her at one point, yeah, okay. "What do you want to do?" Okay, right. Like that's just heartbreaking. Like that to follow your dream means you have to. Obviously, everyone has to put in you know the time and the work, yeah, and you course. have to start with the what. I get that, but not being mistreated as a human being, you know. Right. Um, and powerless to say anything or do anything about the mistreatment that you're seeing of others around you. Right. Oh my gosh. And she's in the office with all the male bros. Yeah. And it just, I don't know. I don't want to give spoilers, but, um, I did, it was pretty dark and, and gloomy the way it was shot. Yeah. And, but I, I mean, it perfectly, uh, I don't know, perfectly matched what was going on in the film. So yeah. Yeah. And then what's the last movie that we're going to talk about? Miss Juneteenth. Miss Juneteenth. Yes. My Miss... favorite of the four that we're discussing. <laughs> I loved Miss Juneteenth, too. And we didn't really talk about it after, right? I mean, we just watched uh, it Maybe we day. knew we were going to talk about it here. And maybe we knew we both liked it. Or maybe we moved on to watching SVU. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because that's back in our lives. What? <laughs> what? What? Um, Miss Juneteenth. Um came out when when did it officially just it just came out right i think last friday yeah. okay okay yeah yeah um i loved it it's about a mother raising her daughter and the mom had competed in the miss juneteenth pageant in their area when she was a teenager and she won and she really wants to get her daughter involved and hopes that her daughter can win a scholarship and and do something great with her life and then the whole movie is kind of a little microaggressions against the mother, a lot of different situations coming back into her life. Um, people in gate involved in the pageant kind of asking her like why she didn't make more of her life. There's just so much judgment on this woman. And well, she's her life so didn't, she didn't live up to, to the expectations the, exactly. that other people had of her. Right. It didn't turn out the way that she had necessarily wanted for herself. Right. That she had hoped. Right. And she is really worried about her daughter. And I, there's so much here. Like, I I loved what they were showing in terms of mother-daughter relationship. Um, I felt so much for the main character, the mom, just because of the men, again, who were in her life and how they treated her. And everybody just looked at her. And I thought to myself, my gosh, we all hu humans, even the ones of us who try to do our best and be kind to people, I feel like sometimes we just don't even know that we're speaking to someone in a way or looking at them in a way or asking them a question that's judgmental, even though we might not mean for it to be. I don't know. I just thought about like how many interactions she had in her everyday life that made her feel bad about her past. And that's the past. She's trying to make a different future for her daughter. Like you, you need to leave her alone about the past, you know, right. but every day someone somehow found a way to, to just, I don't know, make her feel bad right? in small ways that I don't think were always intentional. I mean, sometimes they were just like very judgmental people, but well, the one woman who's like running the pageant, oh, who she even says like, why is she so mean to you? And she says, well, I 
I won. I yeah, her, I beat right? her, right. Um, so she's obviously carrying a lot of bitterness. But yeah, the uh, the lead performance by, hopefully I'm saying this Nicole right. Nicole Bahari? Yeah, Nicole Bahari is like one of the best I've seen this year. Yeah. And she's so, so good. I agree. Um, and the movie is really, really terrific. So hopefully people will check it out. It yeah. is on... Amazon, you can. It's for, available for rent on Amazon. That's how we saw it. Yeah, um, I definitely, I highly recommend that. Yeah, uh, probably one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Me too. Yay! Yay! Yay. I don't know how we're gonna like make a top ten. Who knows? It's only the year's only halfway. Okay, done. Five Bloods, Miss Juneteenth. Done. Okay. Yeah, that, was, that was a good list. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's going to be really easy to write up. <laughs> Two a short movies. podcast though. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, you'll figure it out. We could spend more time talking about the lovebirds. <laughs> I have so much to say. Anyway, let's talk about Eve's Bayou. Yes. From 1997, written and directed by Casey Lemons, who I knew as sort of an actress uh, from Sounds of the Lambs mm-hmm. and Candyman. She was always playing, like, the friend. Yeah. And... And was always good at it. Sure. Yeah. But I... This was my first time seeing Eve's Bayou. This is... <gasps> That's a right. Movie I forgot. That was a blind spot for me for many, many years. Not for me. Has been on my radar since 1997, um, mostly thanks to Roger Ebert, right. who named it his. I remember his four star review. I remember mm-hmm. him naming it the best movie of 1997, which was amazing given that, like, Boogie Nights came out in 1997 and Jackie Brown and oh my gosh. LA Confidential and Starship Troopers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, A lot of really great movies came out in 1997, and this was his favorite movie of that year. So this movie, and and that really, you know, if I could sideline for just one second, um, is something that I have always appreciated about Roger Ebert. He was a great cheerleader for movies that needed cheerleading. Yes. Um, And that is such an important function of the critic, you know, and that... We could do a whole show just on modern criticism and what that means, and is it criticism right. or fandom now? Right. Uh, fandom with a platform, basically. Um, and maybe those two things shouldn't be so different from one another. I don't. I don't know. Obviously, to be a critic, you need to be a fan of movies. Um, Roger Ebert. Now, when I see his name come up a lot of times. I feel like it's in the context of, and again, I'm. This was when I was like using Twitter more. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I follow, a lot of the conversations I find myself um, not interacting with, but just seeing, are from horror fans, mm-hmm. right? Horror Twitter, right? As it has named itself, um, and horror Twitter is not particularly kind to Roger Ebert. Because Roger Ebert was not necessarily kind to horror movies. Right. I don't think he liked horror movies very much, mm-hmm. especially not in his earlier days when it was him and Gene Siskel. And so all the time they're reposting reviews of him and Siskel taking slasher movies to task, right. and even though, you know, he gave Halloween four stars. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, he hated John Carpenter's The Thing and he hated. Oh, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So he was very put off by the effects. Which oh. is like, but that's because they're working. But okay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So when he comes up a lot now in my Twitter feed, 
it's to sort of be like, look how out of touch Roger Ebert was. Look at how he demonized mm. this genre that we love. Um, and that's a bummer because then you look at something like Eve's Bayou, which again was really only on my radar as much as it was because of Roger Ebert. Sure. It took me another <laughs> 23 <laughs> years to finally getting around to seeing it. Um, but I'm glad I did. Think about what he did for Hoop Dreams. Absolutely. Right. Um, but your history with Eve's Bayou is different. I, well, so your point is a valid one. Yeah. I, Thank I, you. I think a lot of people dismissed Roger Ebert for anything, like they would pick out, you know, the negative or the thing that was like, that they grossly disagreed with. Um, and that's going to happen. But I wonder how many of those same people were reading all of his, you know, reviews or his books about how much he loved and championed film. But anyway, um, yeah, living, you know, growing up in the Chicago area, we read him regularly and um, he talked about this film so much and he was the reason that it first came to my attention and I wanted to see it so badly. I don't know why I missed it in the theater. Um, but so the second it came out at Blockbuster, I rented it. Um, and my memory of like, again, I just, I knew... I was fascinated by the fact that this cast came together. I was a huge Debbie Morgan fan. Of course. <laughs> because I grew up in a house where my mother had all my children, the soap opera, on every single day. And Debbie Morgan played Angie mm -hmm. of the famous duo Angie and Jesse. I kind of went through an obsession with them for a while as well when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I was really interested in the cast. Again, Ebert's review and... Yeah, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved that it was her, I mean, it's her first movie she directed. She wrote it, right? I was amazed, um, not to to cut in on you, but I was amazed. <laughs> Sorry, we just heard a weird noise coming from upstairs. Um, it's a child. One of our kids. Hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll cross our fingers. First, let's finish this podcast. Okay, yeah. Ease by you. Um, what was I saying? I said that she wrote it and directed it. Yes. Just yeah. that I was amazed because I didn't know this before watching it last night, that it's not based on source material. And mm -hmm. after watching it last night, I can't believe it's not based on right. a book. It 100% feels like it's coming from a book and not yes. just because of the narration kind of bookendy structure no, of right. it, but just the way that the whole thing unfolds and has all these kind of. The, supporting characters yes. and little storylines and uh, the way that it all comes together at the end, it 100% feels like it's based on a novel. Right. There's details in the settings and the cinematography and the music and which the music is Terrence Blanchard. Yeah, it is. Speaking of Spike Lee Doing earlier. His usual <laughs> kind of overwrought thing. And I say that in the best way possible. Right. His scores tend to be overwrought, but wonderfully so. They're, yeah. So great. Um, what was I saying now? Uh, details in details the cinematography. yes right um it's so it's it's layered and it's nuanced and it's um it feels like a world you can really like feel i don't know the layers to the world and so to me that comes when stuff is based on a book a lot of times you have to visualize what was described in right, word right, right, right? right and here it's not as right. you said but yet it still feels like this very Rich, like hmm. developed. <laughs> Beauty, he hates that word. <laughs> yeah, well, because you guys missed the look that she gave me right before she said it, which was this sort of like, I'm sorry, but this is about right. to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but 
it's but it's the truth, right? What other adjective? <laughs> Find indeed. a new adjective for oh, no, a different adjective. Please. Um, it's it's beautiful to look at. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the cinematographer before today. So me having loved this movie, having seen it back when it came out on, on VHS, um, or was it VHS? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was <laughs> um, DVD was like right around this time. Right. But it was making it was the most likely transition. VHS. Yes. I worked at Blockbuster Video when it was like still some VHSs and then some yeah. DVDs, you know. But yeah, so Amy Vincent's a cinematographer. And I read that Casey Lemons has a degree in cinematography. Is that correct? I don't I, know. May, I, maybe I'm imagining that, but I feel like I read that somewhere. Um, and so I, I just felt like their partnership was so great. It's such a beautiful, beautiful movie. Should I wait to talk about The Last Shot? Maybe. You can talk about it now. We're going to jump around. Okay. So okay. Well, fine. The Last Shot of the movie um, features the two sisters standing together and they're looking out and they're sort of in between two trees and they're looking over a body of water and the camera slowly pulls back and everything in the shot reflects on the other side of the piece of like land that they're, I don't know, like a street or a bridge, a peninsula. Because there's water behind them and water in front of them. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So, and the reflection of the trees and everything else on that body of water behind them, the camera pulls back and now the sisters are standing together and the trees arch making sort of, um, a formation like a half circle, but then the reflection is a full circle and it pulls back and the music and the the colors, it's just so, so beautiful to me. And to me, and we're going to jump around, right? But to me, it's like, here are these two sisters who, I don't have a sister. I have a brother. I have cousins who I'm close to that were, were like sisters. But to me, that shot was so special. Like these are two sisters who are always going to understand what the other went through and how rare that is in life that you really have somebody who understands you because they grew up with you and experienced, if not the same things in general, like, you know, like that same environment, the same, I don't know. And that they're always going to have, they're always going to understand each other. They're always going to be together, that they're in sort of like this circle of, uh, you know, I don't know, support, like they always are going to be together and understand each other in a way that, the rest of the world may never, you know. Um, the movie has so much to say about uh, si- siblings, sisters particularly, I think. Um, mothers and daughters, fathers and daughters, family relationships, memory. I, to me, that's the big takeaway is like how our memories are never are never 100% pure or accurate. Right. They're always influenced by something. Right. And as time goes on, do we – is it – Thinking about our own memories in a different time period, does that change how we remember what we remember? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's ever, ever evolving. Well, there's memories inside of memories in this movie because the whole thing is kind of told from the perspective of adult Eve. Narrated by... Tamara Tooney. Love her. From SVU. <laughs> Um, and other things. And I always remember from Devil's Advocate. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Eve. So that's a memory, right? But then inside of that, we have Megan Good's memories of what happened that night with Samuel Jackson. And she ultimately even says at one point, I can't 
remember. I don't right. know exactly what happened, right? right? And so, and that's part of why that last shot is so cool too, because you get two reflections mm-hmm. of the trees and then the trees, right? Mm-hmm. So we have two versions of the truth and then the trees being, here's what actually happened. But we don't know what actually right. happened. We have Samuel Jackson's side that he writes in a note to Debbie Morgan. Right. We have Megan Good's side that she sort of confesses to Eve. Either is, and I think Ebert even talks about this in his review, that oh. either is plausible. Mm-hmm. The truth is probably somewhere between the two. Right. We're, we're never going to know, really. In the middle of that circle formed by the reflection right, of the right, trees. Right, right, right. right. We're <laughs> never really going to know, you know, what actually happened. And ultimately, it doesn't matter. Sort of what matters is the ripple effect of the the consequences of that night. Right. Which ultimately leads to... You know, you could say that it leads to Samuel Jackson being killed, but that's only... It, we're in spoilers. This movie's 23 years old. Eric just gave me another look like, should you say <laughs> no! that? We have to talk spoilers! about it. We have to talk... You know, Sorry. There's, there's yeah. possible sexual right. abuse. Um, and you could say that it leads to Samuel Jackson being killed if you are buying into the, like, spirituality voodoo stuff in the movie... Because Eve goes to see Diane Carroll and, like, puts a curse on Samuel Jackson and that's what gets him killed. Right. Or, if you're me, you don't buy into that stuff really and you see Samuel Jackson's death as a natural consequence of his philandering, of his fucking somebody else's wife. Multiple. I mean, through his whole life. Like, he's, right, he's this nice doctor that everybody likes and then he is with a different, you know, female patient or not patient, just person, you know, any, any night. So, right. I, I thought about that too, because Eve carries so much guilt. I love, first of all, Eve's performance. She's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, Journey. Journey, Journey Smollett. Smollett. She's seen earlier this year in Birds of Prey, which would probably also be on my best of yeah, list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, she's so great in this. And I just, again, when I, when it came out, I remember being so um, just, I thought she was adorable and so, so natural. You know, a lot of times kids in roles like this, and she has these scenes where she, because the family has such a full, um, incredible life, right? And on the, you know, on the outside looking in, the kids are memorizing Shakespeare and they're they're being imaginative and creative and there's so much joy and, and fun in the family and then you slowly start to peel things away. And you could say that's true about anyone in life, but this is, this is one of those situations where it's different because you, you, when you, their problems become deeper and darker because of the history with the aunt and what Eve finds out about, you know, her aunt's ex-husbands and the aunt feeling like she is sort of cursed and then everything with her parents, right? With Samuel Jackson and, um, I'm afraid of her name, Lynn Winfield. Lynn Winfield thank you. Um, who's so good in this too. Like Debbie Morgan's so good. They're all so good. Lynn Whitfield, though, has this thing like Angela Bassett, where when they're on screen, I'm just looking at them thinking they were carved out of stone in some <laughs> weird way. Like They just have good features, strong features. They're so, like, sharp. All her features are so sharp. Mm-hmm. I just look at her and I'm like, you're not real. You're right, not how, a real person. I know, they're, they're absolutely gorgeous, too, and they just look the same always. Like, yeah. they look perfectly beautiful all the time um but no so they you just you see this family sort of coming apart right and then it's like okay eve's eve's early 
accidental finding of her father um, hooking up <laughs> with right. a family friend. She's, yeah. Um, okay. That also starts this whole sort of pattern of discussion of, you know, what really happened. Because when she breaks down and tells her sister, the sister says, no, that's not what you saw. And the sister tries to change her mind. This is what you saw. Mm -hmm. And at first I was thinking, why is her sister doing that? And then I thought for a split second, like, what about, though, kids who seeing things that sometimes they do misinterpret, right? Like, I mean, that's not the case in this movie, but I thought about that just in life. Like, when I was little, I could have easily seen something on the road and thought it was one thing and it's something else. And I absolutely know our own kids, right? Like, oh, no, that's bad. Look what happened. I go, oh, no, actually, this is happening. Oh, okay, you know. So You still do this to this day. You'll <laughs> see, like, an old man sitting oh, on a bench yes. and you write a tragic backstory for him. I'm, like, crying in the car. Because and I'll he be like, no, what if he's a racist who's waiting for a bus right <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> like, right? I'm like he's alone and he's sad that is true okay see exactly so sometimes because our minds i feel it all <laughs> um your blessing and your curse oh my gosh no i know we're joking but it's true i know oh, it's true i know i know <laughs> uh thank you for understanding me even if you tease me um yeah, I don't, there was just so much to think about, right? Because then after that scene of the sister kind of telling her, no, this is what you saw, she has to carry the weight of this memory and how she sees her father. And it starts to, like, now she's seeing her family differently and her father differently and every interaction he has with anyone differently. Um, and, yeah, it just pulls away sort of that perfect family but going back to so she's a young girl right and a lot of a lot of kids playing a role like this i think would make it a little too precocious you know sure, yeah, yeah. um too cutesy and she's so adorable and cute and spirited and spunky and fun but at the same time it feels totally natural like that this is just who this character is it's not being forced at all she's right. so good yeah i think i only knew her from like full house mm -hmm. wasn't she like one of Stephanie's friends I on think Full so. House or yeah, something. Yeah. So when she popped up again in Birds of Prey, I was like, oh, that's what's her name oh, from you, Full oh, House. Oh. Because I had never seen Eve's body. Right, so I okay. wasn't like, oh, there's grown-up Eve. Sorry, I guess I should have helped you out with that you one. You really <laughs> should have. It would have been, it would have been huge. Um, but yeah, she's really great. And you know, we should also mention how good Samuel Jackson is. Oh my is. gosh, I thought he was so good. Yeah. Because unfortunately, he's a guy like... I don't want to say like Nicolas Cage. They're alike in that they like to work. Um, so they make a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. And when you make a lot of movies, you're going to make a lot of movies that aren't always great. You know, sure. especially when you're working at a certain budget level or making movies for a certain market. Um, your movies are not always going to be great. Samuel Jackson also you know, unfortunately got typecast pretty quickly uh, after Pulp Fiction. It was like, well, he's so good at doing this thing. Let's just have him do this thing as often as possible. Um, so he's great at doing a specific kind of role. And you kind of forget what other variations on Samuel Jackson look like. And in Eve's Bayou, he's doing something, you know, he did this and Jackie Brown in the same year. Mm -hmm. And he's amazing in both of them. Um, and you kind of forget, you know, it's it's usually when like a Tarantino movie comes along where you're like, oh, shit, Samuel Jackson is so good because here's somebody who's writing a part that gives him a lot to do. Mm -hmm. 
and he knows how to say Tarantino's dialogue, and you know it's it's written for him basically. Right. Um, but you forget until you're watching something like Eve's Bayou that like oh he's a great actor capable of doing a lot of different things because mm-hmm. there's nothing in Eve's Bayou that's like what he's doing in Tarantino movies, right? Um, or in any of the sort of direct-to-video action movies that he's done or any of that kind of shit. Um, no. In- in one of the scenes, he has me hating him and then feeling true empathy for him in the same moment. And Was this at the bar at the end or no? This uh, A little bit then, yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like that's when you said like, oh, he's so good in this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, there. I guess there are a couple moments where I'm like, oh, gosh, you're so, you're as a, as a person, you're so terrible. And then, oh, God, no, wait, wait, what if this is all part of like a... The memory is not, I don't know. I just was feeling, he was so good at that, right? And like changing his facial expression from sort of um, an assured, confident, cocky guy to truly feeling sorry or bad for like something that his, you know, daughter felt or thought. And yeah, I don't know. He's so good. So good. Well, he, you know, in the span of a single scene, we see him be a good father mm-hmm. and then tell his daughter to step outside so he can sleep with a patient. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, we're convinced that he molested his teenage daughter. And again, the seeds are sort of planted for us to think that right. Mm-hmm. Um, both because of Megan Good's reaction to no daddy wasn't sleeping with that woman. Here's right. what he was really doing or, Eve saying like, hey, you only dance with her. You never dance with me. And maybe it's because we've been watching too much SVU that right. immediately my mind goes to, oh, no, is that where right, this is heading? Right, right, um, And then it tells us that that is indeed what happened and makes us hate him the way that Eve hates him. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of pulls the rug out from under us again. And he writes this letter to Debbie Morgan. And it's this very impassioned, seemingly very sincere right. Here's what happened. I feel awful about it. I hope someday she can forgive me. But it's not, I kissed my daughter. Right, no. Um, I hit my daughter. Right. And I'll never get over that, you know. Right. But here's what happened. Right. And again, the movie doesn't say, this is the truth. Right. Because even at the end, when the girls are talking about it all again, it doesn't, she says, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. So Samuel Jackson can be a lot of things at one time. Right. Which characters are very rarely allowed to be in movies. Right. Well, going back to Debbie Morgan, I feel like she, as the aunt, as Samuel Jackson's sister, who also is a spiritual woman who, she calls herself a counselor at one point. she's like a psychic. Yeah, but she's giving fortunes and... um, she has to talk to Eve. Eve asks about her husband's. Which husband did you love the most? And I love the, her response to that. Because um, doesn't she say, I love them all in different ways? Yeah. They each had like a different part of me. And I thought that that was such a, like, again, a little interesting nugget to throw in there as well in this story. That like, we lead, we lead different lives at different part during different parts of our lives. We are leading very different lives, even if we are the same person throughout all of that. So, she was who she was, but she had three different husbands at three different times who um, brought out different things in her. And then that scene where she flashes back to the one husband getting killed. Well, they all died. Yeah. But the one 
getting shot. It's a the really whole in the mirror. Yes, it's yeah, a really that's where that's where I was like, oh, Casey Lemons is like a real deal filmmaker. Yes, yes. And the cinematography there, I thought yeah. that they just, the way that that came together, my gosh. Like, I, I read somewhere, like, if this movie came out today, it would be nominated for all the Oscars. And it just breaks my heart. Like, why wasn't it then? You know? Why, when Roger Ebert was, was championing this. Was it an Oscar this, So White situation? I don't even know, actually, for sure. I just know it didn't win anything, right? I mean, Samuel, ja- no. <laughs> Samuel Jackson <laughs> I mean, we- was the biggest name in the movie right um um hello debbie morgan if you watch all my supporting <laughs> part you know and he was a producer on the movie too which i didn't know yeah um, and i think that helped get it made possibly right? i would like, i would imagine yeah. so yeah at that um, time so oh so chicago film critics association gave it best supporting actress to debbie morgan yeah. and most promising actress to journey smollett okay um, oh, that's Roger it, right there. I know. Gosh, I, mean, I, oh, I love that. And I loved, oh, see that? Oh, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it won a couple of awards, but no Oscars. Yeah, no, I'm looking at, there's a couple different, like San Diego film critics yeah. and um, some other, the Image Awards, the Film Independent Spirit Awards. That's the thing. This was an independent, an independent film, a first feature. It it was loved by critics and also by people who weren't only like indie film people. But you know, people it, go see it because as I was watching it last night, I was uh, like, "Boy, how do you market this movie?" Right. Well, I think there's a, the the when you take the voodoo stuff, there's a lot of mystery in the movie, and I think that that's really marketable. Maybe I didn't I didn't watch any trailers, uh, and I should have. Yeah. Like after we watched it, right, you know, right, right. I should have watched some of the just trailers to see, just to how, see was yeah, it how did they right. try to sell this movie? Because it is so sort of novelistic, and it is so dependent on character and atmosphere, and not so much story. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a coming of age story in a way. But not in a typical, like, here are the beats that we would follow for a traditional coming-of-age story. So you can't stick those in a trailer. Right. Um, there's no, like, this was my first kiss. Well, Right. No. 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 Right. No. I bet that they went with... Uh, now this is going to be a, little, a fun game. Like, are Patrick and Erica correct? <laughs> or was it marketed totally differently? But I think that it was probably marketed with a heavy influence of that sort of um, southern spiritual you the, know the, the kind of mystery stuff. yeah okay. yeah and then again just kind of like a family drama with an aspect of like something dark brewing underneath you know yeah i think studios have gotten a lot better at marketing those kinds of movies i think audiences are a little bit savvier when it comes to understanding what those movies are now which right. doesn't say that they see them right. all right right because again we just watched the hey you give that movie didn't make a ton of money and that was based on a popular book um but i don't think it made a ton of money again because how do you you know and that's more of like a this is a movie about what's happening now. So there's kind of a marketing hook there that doesn't exist for Eve's Bayou, which is like, this is a movie about vague memory. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Where do I sign up? Um, And I do think that audiences and critics are a little bit better now about getting the word out about stories of, you know, people of color and, 
So I think that there would be greater attention paid to something like Eve's Bayou in 2020 mm -hmm. than there was in 1997. Right, right. Which isn't to say that it would get as fair a shake as other similar movies in 2020. The playing field is not level. Right. But I would say that between social media campaigns and just a lot of um, film writers and film critics and audiences paying better attention to these kinds of stories. I think it would fare better in, in 2020 than it did in 1997. Absolutely. And, and it did okay, right? You oh, just no. pulled up the box office and made 15 million. Yeah, no. And again, I think it was, it was considered a success. Well, again, it was a small... How much small, did it cost, do we know? It was a small budget, I think. Three million. So it made five times its budget. Yeah. So it's a success. Right. And it went beyond, again, just like indie film people, you know? Like yeah. it... it, it it did get out there. Um, I just wish it had gotten the proper attention because I'm looking at that cast going, oh my gosh, like everybody's so great. And then thinking about the work that they've done since, which has been really good work, but it bothers me that they're not household names. Like, sure. I want more people to know Casey Lemons right. outside of the film and, and, world. You and know? truth be told... When The Caveman's Valentine came out, which I did not see, I was very aware of it as Casey Lemon's follow-up okay. to Eve's Bayou. I right. was like, oh, here's her next movie. Yeah. I still hadn't seen her first movie, but I was very aware of like, okay, here's her sophomore film. And then, you know, she made a number of other movies, including, we were just talking before we started recording, she made Talk to Me, she made Harriet last year, um... And Harriet was on our radar, and I remember really wanting to see Talk to Me in 2007, because the trailers were really good, but I had no idea that those were Casey Lemon's movies. Right. Those two things were divorced in my mind. So the only movie I was aware of as you know that was sort of branded as a Casey Lemon's movie was The Caveman's Valentine, mm -hmm. which I still haven't seen. Right. So I'm as guilty as anybody, because I've right. only seen Eve's Bayou, and that was less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> so... Uh, At least I, I, I help you balance it out a little, but no. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do in terms of checking out the rest of her filmography. Right. Um, and again, like I said earlier, I didn't know anything about the cinematographer, Amy Vincent. Yeah. But she's done a lot of great work, too. And looking up what she's done, I, I felt bad that I didn't know her name. Right. Like, why isn't she on a T-shirt, too? <laughs> yeah, again, I think there's a lot of things in this movie. It's time for Eve's Bayou to be I think it was ahead of its time again. <laughs> in terms of black female filmmaker, mm -hmm. female cinematographer, story uh, about, you know, this black family, essentially all black cast. All of these things that I think in 2020 people would be like, this movie needs our attention. We need to celebrate this movie for what it's doing. I... And I think those things were not looked at in 1997. Well, so I read... I Except read, for by a few people like Roger Ebert. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. I read something um, written by Angelica Jade, and I apologize if I'm saying her last name wrong, Bastian. Sure. Um, I'm not sure. But I really loved her piece about Eve's Bayou, and I... Um, I remember there's something in there about Samuel Jackson being, I think, interviewed or someone asked him about how they thought it could be successful. And he says something about maybe studios were saying, like, how are we going to market this or who's going to see it or something like that. And Samuel Jackson, I think, was the one saying, like, 
yeah, studios were kind of thinking, oh, just because we can't put a hip hop soundtrack in there, that then it won't be successful right. or something. But no, it, it's about um, black life, early 60s, Louisiana, and yep. it doesn't have to be about outside politics. It doesn't have to be this other thing that, you know, studios think that they can sell more easily just because other films have have been a part of that, you know, discussion. Yeah. It's just black life and 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 yeah, look at it. It's a great. So And the good news is I'm glad that they followed their instinct. Right. The good news is if you make a good movie, it lives forever. Right. And so here it is, 2020, and we're still talking about it, and I'm still discovering it. Mm -hmm. Other people are going to discover it from us talking about it. Other people will have already seen it. Oh, absolutely right. Um, A lot of lists have been written in the last few months about, you know, here are some uh, films directed by black filmmakers that you should check out. Eve's Bayou is on most, if not all of them, I'm sure. Um, I wanted to highlight a female director, so that's kind of why we decided to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the movie is going to live on because it's a great movie and not right. because of these other tangible factors that I'm talking about. You know, right. like, let's see this movie because it's on this list or because it has a female cinematographer or whatever. It's going to live on because it's a great movie. Right. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Eve's Bayou? I'm just really glad you finally saw it. Me one too. Those, one of those movies that I have such a happy, happy, happy memory of the excitement and anticipation for it. Does that make sense? Like yeah. back then to be so excited about a movie. And again, I don't know what happened that I couldn't see it. I think I was like 18 when it came out, maybe. Um, I don't know. But so I couldn't, I didn't see it in theaters, but, and I was, did it get a wide release? We don't know for sure. Right. Or I mean, I feel like only... I remember it playing the Woodfield Mall Theater. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, I don't think it only played art houses. Regardless, I have such a happy memory of the anticipation. I was so excited, just the same way I had for Boogie Nights. Like, I was so excited to see this movie that I had heard about, that I had read about. And when I finally got to see it, I was happily, I was I was happy. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that it has lived on for all these years and that more people will hopefully um, seek it out if they haven't already seen it. Yeah, we watched it. It's streaming uh, maybe just till the end of June. I honestly don't know, but it's streaming on HBO platforms. There's like four now, so I don't know what all of them are. HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max. I think it's on all of them. HBO Schmo. Right. HBO HBO Later. (laughs) HBO Sometimes. HBO Movies. HBO if question mark? HBO when? How? (laughs) HBO how? (laughs) How do I get them all? Just Um. So check it out. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. As always, you can find us every day at fthismovie.com, on Twitter at fthismovie, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. You can email us at fthismoviepodcast sure. at gmail.com. Call and me. You can Someone call me. I need to talk. Call Erica, please. <laughs> um, no, thanks to everyone who's so nice. Yes. And everyone who's not nice because you're valued <laughs> as well. <laughs> Uh, you can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, wherever you get your 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 podcasts, wherever you listen to stuff. Do you know what? Sometimes I ask our Amazon Alexa to play the latest of this movie, and she just plays she it for me. She laughs at you. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you are the only one <laughs> requesting <laughs> F This Movie podcast. Um, anyway, thank you guys very much for listening. We'll be back next week with something else. I don't know what. Love you all. Bye. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to FS Movie.